Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy Sabbath. How you doing? I hope that you are doing fantastic. And I want to welcome you back to another episode of Fight Club. We've been on this for the last four weeks. We have just been hammering at the concept that God fights battles for us and that we need to get involved in fighting those battles. We have been enrolled into the Fight Club of God. Last Sabbath, I talked about uncomfortable fights. I mean, that's a paradox. That's irony. How can a, a fight be uncomfortable? Well, a fight is uncomfortable in the first place. For sure, when you're fighting, you are not at peace. I, I highlighted three important concepts that when you fight an uncomfortable fight is because you understand that the fight matters. The fight is crucial. If you don't fight the fight, there's going to be a big problem. But you need, to, you need to understand that when you do fight uncomfortable fights, you're going to be afflicted. Mm -hmm. it's, going, it's going to be painful. Paul would say, fights without and fears within. It's going to pin you. But when you know that you are working for God and fighting for God, you know what I mean? You know that good things are going to happen. But when you've been afflicted by God, I mean, when you've been afflicted, what happens is you are comforted by God. You know what I mean? Because God is the one who comforts us. He does it through people. He does it repeatedly and he does it to save you and then lastly we said when you have been comforted you don't only end at that level but you are delighted and i i suggest that we need to pursue the p pd2o mentality pursue delight in the delight of others what that means is i should be happy when others are happy meaning that when i've been fighting this uncomfortable fight it's because I'm ensuring that somebody else is going to be made better for it. Anyway, I don't want to re-preach the sermon. I did that last week. Um, but today, I want to bring you installation number five. And I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Uh, we are in Corinthians again today. We talked in chapter 7 last week. Today, we are in chapter 10. I, I love kind of like a progressive approach when it comes to, uh, to reading the text. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to read verse number 1 to verse number 6 this morning. Uh, when you have it, say amen. I know that you, you, you I can't hear you, but at least by faith, I, I know that you're going you're gonna to say this amen. So say amen, amen right now. Those of you in the room can say amen. 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 All right, good, good, good. Amen. That interaction is so crucial for me when I preach. So uh, it, it says, Paul talking, I, Paul, myself entreat you. I beg you, I plead with you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away. Basically saying, you think I'm a coward when I'm away, and I mean, you think I'm, I'm courageous when I'm away, but you think I'm a, I'm a coward when I'm in front of you. That's what Paul is saying right here. Verse 2, he says, I beg you that when I'm present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count or I plan on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. Verse 3, and please pay attention. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For though, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Ooh, yeah, it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. Verse 5 says, 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Can't wait to get into this word real quick. Uh, verse 6 says, the last verse, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Once again, for emphasis, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. I have decided to work this text under the theme, the weapons you fight with. The weapons you fight with. Let me give it a little speed. The weapons you fight with. The weapons you fight with. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you take this moment, make it yours for somebody to know Jesus. In your name I humbly pray. Amen. You are sweaty in the face. The tool you need at this moment is a face towel. The towel, soft, nice, goes nicely with your face. It's built for your face. Uh, you may decide to use another tool to dry the sweat on your face. You may choose to get an 11 by 8 or 11 by 5, I don't know the, the numbers exactly, printing paper and, and wipe on your face, but it's going to be, it's going it's to be, gonna make noise and then it's going to scratch your face and it's not probably going to dry your face. You know there's something in your ear. You can feel that something is in your ear, but you, you, and you want to get it out. And you know how some of us do. We, we do one of these actions because we want to get it out of our ear. We want to get it out. We want to get it out of Mark. We want to get it out. But we, mm, no. Or you can choose a Q-tip. And you go in there nicely. And be like, oh, man, it's good. It feels good. Yeah, it's, I like it. I like it. I like it. Right? Or you can say, you know what? I'm not going to use a Q-tip. I'm going to take, take a pencil and stick it into my, my ear. And what's, what's going to happen is that that pencil is going to go in and it, it has a it has the potential to rupture your eardrum. Oh man, you, you have bought that steak from Grand Lucky or Ranch Market or Farmer's Market or Carrefour. You're looking at it nicely and you're ready to cook that steak for dinner. You don't, you, Pastor Johannes, you don't need a butter knife. You need a sharp knife. Using the right tool makes all the difference. Using the right equipment makes all the difference. Using the right strategy makes all the difference. And we have understood that countries that have chosen to use the strategies or the tools of social distancing and mask uh, wearing and hand washing have been the most successful countries in dealing with this COVID-19. But countries that have persisted in not obeying and following the, 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 or not using the tools that have been prescribed and that work, there have been countries that have been suffering the most. I, I want to beat the concept in your head that the tool that you use makes all the difference. And that is the same situation when it comes to fighting. 
You cannot wage battles. You cannot fight battles utilizing the same tools and, and the same strategies. You, you must know and learn how to use the proper tools. I got news for you that the reason why I have chosen to title this series Fight Club is to, to help you understand that the moment you decided to accept Jesus into your life, the moment when you decided to say, you know what, I belong to God, you automatically... You, how do I say, uh, how do I say, you, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the right word here. There was, um, oh man, man, I, the, the words are not, are, not, are not coming in my brain, but it was automatic. It, it's like, it's, I decide to be a, a disciple of Jesus, that moment I put on my fighting gloves. And, and many of us don't have that understanding. And that is why when we are beaten up by temptation, we feel like God doesn't love us anymore. That is why when you feel like things are not going good at work, you start to doubt your relationship with God. You start to doubt if God actually loves you because the problem is you have not understood that the day you said, Jesus, I love you. The devil said, I hate you. <laughs> the devil said, you know what? You are on team Jesus you're going to see about this. And so, because we know we have been thrust into a fight, we need to, I call, we need to learn what kind of tools we should be using, what kind of weapons we should be using. Not every time you should utilize uh, the machine gun of prayer. You understand what I'm saying? Now, not every time should you utilize the, the, the bazookas of argumentation. Not every time should you utilize the nuclear weapons of silence. Not every time should you utilize the tanks of a disagreement. Not every time should you utilize the, the, the fighter jets of misunderstanding and, and judgment and, and, and criti criticism or I shouldn't say criticism, critique. Because there's a difference between criticism and critique. When you criticize, you have no, uh, no desire to help somebody. You just want to point out what's bad and that's it. But when you critique, what you're trying to do is to point out what's bad but also give a path to improvement. So you need to learn what tools should I use right now. You are in a situation maybe at home and, and, and it's difficult and it's hard. Should you go at the person? Or should you back off? That is the, the most important thing. How to fight? What weapons should I utilize when I fight? I, I want to tell you that uh, before you think about weapons to fight with, think about this idea. We are bound by human standards. I milked this concept when I read verse number three in the text. Paul says, for though we walk after the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Paul, when he uses the word flesh, he is talking about the physical human body. Now, when he makes this profound statement, which is going to be a statement we're going to dwell on for uh, this sermon for a while. When he makes this statement... It's because his opponents didn't like Paul's strategy as an apostle. Paul, sometimes he used the, the assertive guns of rebuke in dealing with issues. We talked about this last week. 
But at times he chose the persuasive pen. He, he chose the persuasive sword of the pen. That's how I wanted to put it. Instead of hitting an issue straight on, sometimes Paul hit the issues sideways. And those who had created standards, those who had created requirements and, and prerequisites for an apostle to abide by, when they looked at Paul's flexible strategy in dealing with issues, they, according to verse number two, suspected him of walking according to the flesh. Pastor, what is walking according to the flesh? You see, to walk according to the flesh is to, to commit adultery. Uh, to walk according to the flesh is to commit fornication. Uh, to walk according to the flesh is to be idolatrous and to be a witch and to be a hater and to be, uh, uh, to be a, 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 a strife-driven person, to be, to be doused with envy, to be murderous and to be a drunk. I'm just giving you a little bit of, uh, of what it means to walk in the flesh. Now, Paul's strategy is flexible, but his opponents indict him. They charge him with walking according to the flesh. In other words, they are saying, Paul, you are living a sinful life. <clears throat> I'm living a sinful life because I am using a strategy that does not suit your idea of what a, an apostle should be. Can, can you see the line of reasoning? Oh, this person doesn't behave this way, therefore they're this. And he's like, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. Just because I don't fit your standards doesn't mean that I'm not meeting the standard. Mm -mm -mm. That's an amen moment. You see, because some of us are struggling under the weight of people's opinions of us. But those opinions may not be the right opinion. And Paul is suffering under the weight of the same opinions. And they are saying this man is not a man of God. Can you imagine how that must have felt in Paul's mind? I mean, this man who gave us the third of the New Testament. This man who saw Jesus. And then Paul says, you know what? In verse number three, that's a key text. I want you to spend time on that verse. He says, for though we walk, for though we live in the flesh, though we live a human existence, Paul is agreeing with them. He is saying, yes, I live as a human being. Yes, I, I, I breathe. I drink, I eat, I nap, I Facebook, I read books, I Twitter, I think, I go to the doctor, I tire, I fret, I doubt, I disagree, I seek degrees. Yes, I live by human standards. And that's the point I want you to understand, that we are bound by a human standard. You and me, we are flesh and blood. The degrees that we have, 
the familial heritage that we have, the influence and the impact that we make do not change the fact that we are all bound by a human standard. James would say it this way, Elijah, just like you and me, was tempted in all points. <laughs> you know about David's humanity. <laughs> you know about Solomon's humanity. I don't need to remind you. In fact, Jesus himself was a human being. In fact, we read about him in Matthew 1 verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. You and me, we are bound by this human standard. We are all humans. And, and I, I, the reason why I dwell right here is because I want to boost your mood. I want to help you to understand that you, 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 nobody is a superman. Nobody is Ant-Man. Nobody is a Flash or Spider-Man. Nobody is Batman. There are no superheroes here. Superheroes exist in the movies. Superheroes are, uh, they, they, they're not real. All of us are just men. All of us are just women. All of us are just children. That is the standard in which we find ourselves in. And the reason why I tell you this is because Superman has a kryptonite he has to deal with. The Spider-Man has to deal with ethyl chloride because it dulls his powers to move uh, so fast. Uh, when, you, when you look at Iron Man, he always needs to be recharged. And that's your experience. And that is my experience. We have the kryptonite of sin. We have the ethyl chloride of sin that slows us down. We need to constantly recharge. We always have to struggle with this situation. Don't let anybody else tell you any different don't tell you that they are better than you because they're not better than you they are just like you and that's the good news this morning it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter what you know it doesn't matter what you do but each and every one of us is living according to the human standard and this is important because some of us are struggling this is important because some of us are doubting this is because some, some of us are discouraged this is important because some of us don't look at ourselves the way we should look at ourselves we compare ourselves but my brother my sister my friend the one who God loves you you are just like everybody else Paul says I, 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 I though we walk in the flesh he agrees but he says I do not fight in the flesh he says that my situation, your situation, does not limit me. <clears throat> it doesn't put me in a box. It doesn't put me in a situation that I am, um, I, 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 I throw a pity party. Though I live by a human standard, though I am limited, though I have sinned, though I have there's issues going on in my life, that does not limit me when I fight. It doesn't stop me from waging war against my very own weaknesses. And this is what I want to bring to somebody right here. When I say you are bound by a human standard, I'm not here to tell you you should make excuses 
for the things you should you should be improving at. I'm not saying you should be comfortable by being in the same situation. But I'm here to tell you that in spite of your case, in spite of your condition, in spite of your circumstances, in spite of the things happening around you, you are not bound by those things. You, you, you see, I need you to understand something here. Uh, let's do a little analysis and think about a situation. Say somebody is an alcoholic. And you want to improve that person's alcohol abuse from, from not abusing alcohol to totally quitting alcohol. The thing you need to do is not to put that person among friends who drink alcohol. Are, are you with me? Don't put that person around people who drink alcohol. You need to bring that person. <laughs> you need to bring that person to people who were once alcoholics but have overcome alcohol abuse. Though they were alcoholics, though they were in the standard of alcohol abuse, but because they have overcome alcohol abuse, they are no longer limited with their weakness towards alcohol. And therefore, that person who also wants to get out of that limitation, that human standard, that situation that keeps them down, they also need to, <laughs> they also need to hang around people that have shown themselves champions. That is why when you read books and you watch movies, you look for the inspirational. You look at people whose stories tell you they didn't have anything. They were down and out, counted out, but yet they worked hard. They put in effort and they became somebody. Because you look at those people as an inspiration. They teach you that you don't have to live in the same neighborhood. They teach you that you don't have to be in the same educational status. They teach you that you don't have to be with the same kind of friends. You don't have to be stuck by the standard you have found yourself in. But you can elevate yourself. You can get out of that situation. You are not limited. And that's why I would like to agree right here with Eliud Kipchoge when he says no human being is limited in, in, in saying that you are not stuck in your circumstances so Paul is saying look here man I am not stuck in my circumstances I will fight my temptation I will fight my lust I will fight my doubt I will fight my my disease I will fight what limits me because I am not limited by what limits me after all Jesus Christ was a human being and he lived the life of a human being that's that's what paul is saying when you look at jesus you see a man who put himself in the human standard who allowed himself to be limited by our sin and our circumstances but was able to be unlimited as well and that's why paul is saying and so brother and sister hear me gospel right here when you understand your limitation, that yes, you are limited, but you know that my goodness, God has been able to overcome my limitation, then you yourself are not limited in that standard. Then you can fight as well. Now that, that's the greatest weapon to have. A mindset that has been transformed and changed. A mindset that is not limited. And that's what I want to throw at you. 
I'm not here to tell you about strategies that you can apply. When I say the weapons you fight with, I'm not here to give you a, 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 an, an elaborate list of, oh, when you do like this, apply this. I'm not here for that. I'm here to tell you that you are in a different space because of what Jesus Christ has done. And you do not need to be limited. You know what I mean? Whatever people are telling you, whatever people are saying to you, that does not matter. It's irrelevant. What you need to consider is what Jesus Christ did. And because of what he did, you and me can also break free. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen. Can you just say amen for that? I mean, I even had to lower my voice so that I could just talk to you nicely. Because some people say, hey, pastor, listen, sometimes you bring too much fire. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to slow it down. Can you just say amen? Like, like, man, I'm a human being, but I'm not limited because God is with me. Amen, amen, somebody? Amen? Amen? Here's the good news. Though we are limited, though we are limited, yet we are not stuck in the, 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 the limitation. We, we don't have to be stuck in that situation. Allow me to put it in a way that you can understand. You see, a doctor... Uh, has knowledge beyond a regular citizen. They understand how the femur works, and they know when it is broken. They can read fractures, right? They, they know uh, if, if, if I tell a doctor, hey, I've been having flu and, and sickness, they're going to probably tell me you have congenital homoschism. You know, they're going to use all those kind of names I do not know. Now, if a doctor gives you the wrong diagnosis, you are going to scold that doctor for malpractice. You are going to be like, you know what, doctor? I expected much better from you because you understand that the doctor, though he lives a regular human life, but because he is a doctor, he automatically transforms himself into another level. And that's what I want you to understand. Because you have decided to follow Jesus, because you have decided to make Jesus your Lord, you automatically transform yourself from a regular human being to a superhuman being. You put yourself in a situation that you are not like the 100%. You are in a unique category of uh, I would say the the one percent and I'm talking about I'm not talking about wealth I'm not talking about money I'm talking about that you have put yourself in a superhuman category because of who you believe and because of who you follow and just because just before you say pastor please give us a little proof on that let me give you a little proof in verse number four Paul says uh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So he's saying, look, I live in the flesh, but look, I'm not fighting in the flesh because, because I tap into the divine standard. I don't tap into the human standard. I tap into the divine standard. Paul is saying, you know what? When I want to fight, I don't, I don't go read books. I don't do that. I don't, I don't do conventional things. What I do is I go push the button and I say, Lord, I'm here to tap into your power. And that's the thing that you and me can do. And Paul is helping us to understand that we don't have to live like a beggar. And I believe that some of us Christians live like beggars. You know, we're begging for God. God, give me power. 
you know, God, do this for me. Nah, we don't have to live like beggars. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, when I graduated college, not college, when I graduated graduate school back in 2017, I was in the Philippines. And I decided to go back home to Malawi, my home country. And, and as, a, as a student, yeah, those of you who have been students, you understand that when you're a student, man, you hustle for everything. You hustle to eat. You hustle to get your laundry done. You hustle to, <laughs> to get your stuff printed. You know what I mean? You hustle for many things. And one of the things I used to hustle for is I used to hustle for, to get laundry done. Sometimes I'll send the laundry to the laundry mat. They'll do it for me. Sometimes they don't do it good. Sometimes I go to some of my friends who had a washing machine and all. And sometimes I had to wash by hands. Yes, Pastor Henry did wash clothes by hands. You know, it might not look like it, but it's true. So when I got home, I was still in a student mentality. So I got into the house and I wanted to clean my clothes after I'd been there for a week. And so I got the clothes, I got a bucket, I got detergent, and I sat down outside in the backyard and I started, I was about to start washing my clothes. My pops, he saw me. He's like, Henry, what are you doing? In my mind, I'm like, dad, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm about to wash my clothes, but you know, you can't, you can't be like that, man, to your, to your pops. So I was like, uh, I'm about to wash clothes. He says, nah, not in my house. I'm like, oh, so you want me to wash the clothes outside? Like outside the gate? He says, nah, in my house, you don't wash my clothes. You don't wash your clothes. You better give those clothes to the maid because you are my son. And therefore, because you are my son, you get to utilize the resources that I have. So you know what I did? I smiled and I took my clothes. I went to the maid. I said, look, he told me, can you please do this one? You know what I mean? Because I realized that those were the resources that God had given me. And so brother and sister, I want you to understand that the moment you decided to follow Jesus, you, you, the moment you decided to follow God, you tapped into heavenly resources and you don't have to beg for those resources those resources are yours all you need to do you know what i'm ready to fight lord i need this thing i need you to give me because when you have god on your side you have everything and so brother and sister rise up today do not be stuck in doubt discouragement no don't allow somebody else to put you down no you are not a beggar for acceptance you are not a beggar for appreciation and approbation you are not a beggar for recognition god has recognized you and you are his son and so paul wants you to understand that what gives your weapons success the weapons that you fight with is because you tap into it you tap into god yes please don't live like a beggar yes don't live like a beggar and you see one thing that i love about this text notice paul says for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Then he says, he says, look, look, he doesn't identify the weapons. I'm about to give somebody something good right here. He doesn't identify the weapons. He says, the weapons of our warfare. Like I expected to read, okay, uh, the weapons of warfare, they are, they are prayer, Bible study, Bible reading. You know, that's what I, I expected to read. But Paul does not specify the weapons, but he specifies the ones who, the one who uses the weapons. Paul is giving it to us like this. 
It's not the, the weapons that I use that make a difference. It is God who uses me that makes all the difference. And this is what I need somebody here to understand right here, right now, when it comes to the weapons you fight with. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter. None of that is, none of that is relevant to God. What matters is what God can do through you. And this is why we read about Samson who took a jawbone and he destroyed a thousand soldiers. This is why Gideon destroyed a whole army with 300 soldiers. This is why David toppled Goliath with a stone because God doesn't use the weapon. God uses the human being. And so brother and sister, hear me. This is truth right here. You need to know that you are a powerful weapon in the hands of God. God is a skilled, is a skilled fighter. And you are the weapon that he uses. Now, I love planes. I like to ride in planes. I watch plane shows. But if a friend of mine, in fact, I have a friend who's a pilot who comes to church, and we often talk about planes. If he allowed me to get on the plane, and then he was flying the plane, and he said, Henry, because you love planes so much, I want you to fly this plane. I assure you that that plane is going to kiss the ground. But my friend, because he's skilled in the art of flying aircrafts, that plane is never going to kiss the ground. That plane is going to touch down on the ground. Hallelujah, somebody. God is that skilled person. And when you are in his hands, he will utilize you to do amazing things. He will take you from a low position and bring you to a high position. He will take your inabilities to read and make you somebody who can write. Talk about Ellen G. White. She, she, this lady, man, she, she, she was hit at the age of two. But God made her into one of the most prolific writers in American history. God can do that for you. God can take Moses, a general of Egypt, and make him a liberator of the people of God. God can, can take a shepherd boy like, like, like David and make him a king of a nation. God can take cursing and, and controversial fishermen like, like Peter and make them gospel workers. I want you to know that God is the one who makes all the difference. And so the standard that we have to fight with is a standard of God. And what you need to do, what I need to do is to say, you know what, Lord, I'm not good. I am not adequate. I'm not sufficient. I'm not good at this, but oh, you are. I know you are. And you will take me to the places I need to go. Brothers and sisters, I slow down again just to talk to you for a moment. God is, is interested in taking you to a higher level. Uh, one of my favorite writers, uh, Ellen G. White, she, she puts it like this. She said, higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. We talked about it this morning, Pastor Johannes. We said, God doesn't see what you are. <laughs> God sees what you can be. God doesn't look. God doesn't look. God doesn't look at the struggles. 
He doesn't look at the fact that you are weak. God sees you victorious. God sees you overcoming. Brother and sister, when you tap into God's standard, though you are limited as a human being, you tap into something powerful. And here is the good news. When we tap into God's standard, we destroy strongholds in our lives. You see, Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You see, strongholds are heavily fortified um, places. Today, strongholds are banks and, and presidential palaces and, and places where famous people live. I just can't get up today and say, you know what, I'm going to go see Jacoby. You know what I mean? I, I can't do that. Because when I get to the gate, they're going to be asking me. In fact, they're going to start speeding Bahasa and I'm not going to be able to understand it. They're going to know that I'm a foreigner and that type of thing. They're going to turn me away. In fact, they might arrest me and say, you are here to cause a situation. Those are strongholds uh, that we have today. But when Paul talks about strongholds, he was not talking about physical strongholds. Paul was talking about mental strongholds. He was talking about intellectual strongholds. Uh, he was talking about emotional strongholds. I hope you know where I'm going with this. He wasn't talking about things that are physical. He was talking things that are not touchable, but intangible. <laughs> they are things that you can't see, but they drive everything that you see. That is why when, when people are looking for new employees, they do not only look at your qualifications. Nah, 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 nah. They are not only interested in what you can do, but they're interested in that intangible element. Who are you as a human being? And that is what Paul is talking about here. And in fact, when you read the context of verse number five, you begin to realize that it is these uh, non-touchable but intangible strongholds that Paul is talking about specifically. Hear me carefully. Specifically, he's talking about mental cognitive activity. <laughs> Look at this. He says in verse number five, uh, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And, and, and you know, brother and sister, I need you to tell you that the greatest and the hardest strongholds are the mental ones. I, I mean, you know this and you can relate with this. Convincing somebody that they should do something can be one of the hardest things to do. Uh, telling, telling your boss, I have this plan, I think it's going to work, can be one of the hardest things to do. Because when people have created a certain opinion that they believe is correct, you can send a nuclear weapons on them, they can die, but they will still die of the same opinion. And so Paul is, 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 is talking about those kind of strongholds. And, 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 and at some point, it's good to be decided. At some point, it's good to be like, you know what? I have made up my mind. You're not going to move me. You're going to change me. You're not going to change me. This is who I am. It's good to do that. It's good to believe in it, to trust in it, and to follow through with it. But here Paul is saying, these strongholds, the mental ones, your opinions are keeping you from a knowledge of God. 
They're keeping you from obeying Christ. Instead of you getting closer to Jesus, instead of you getting closer to God, you are inching further and further from God. And so Paul is saying we need to destroy these strongholds. Brothers and sisters, it's our greatest struggle, some of us. It doesn't matter your personality. You can be uh, choleric and melancholic and phlegmatic and sanguine but the reality is each one of us in our personality traits we have certain mental strongholds we have certain opinions that are so strong that even God can't get there that even God can't convince us otherwise that even God can't can't break through and Paul is saying uh, in this particular passage, talking to the church of Corinth, the reason why you, you indict me, the reason why you charge me with not being a true apostle is because of what you're thinking about. But it's not about me. It, this is what I love about Paul. You see, Paul wasn't fighting for himself. He was fighting for Christ. And he said, look, you are... You are, you are having these strongholds, these ideas, these, these things. But it's not against me, it's against Christ. So you need to understand that Paul's fighting and, and, and engaging in this battle, it's not to benefit himself, it's to benefit those who are fighting against him. So he's saying, yeah, you're fighting against me. And they're making excuses. They're making conclusions. They're making decisions to keep away from God. Could it be that as you listen to me right now, you have made certain conclusions and decisions and excuses and God can't get through. God can't convince you otherwise. He can't tell you any different. You see, I see two groups of people when Paul talks about strongholds. You know, the first group is, I know it's the right thing, but kind of people. I know it's the right thing, but kind of people. I know I should wear a mask, but it makes me uncomfortable. I know I should give to God, but the bills are really hitting me hard. You know, you know I know, I, I know that Netflixing and chilling are not good a little too much PDA is not good, but I don't want to lose the relationship kind of people. I know obeying parents is right, but mm, I don't want to look too goody-goody with my friends. And so I know it. I know it. I know it's right, but a stronghold. Yeah, but stronghold. Anytime you say but to God, stronghold. Yeah, but stronghold and that's one of the struggles um, one of the biggest struggles God is dealing with us and I'm I'm there with you <laughs> sometimes God is telling me do this but I'm like but 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 a stronghold and the second group of people I want to tell you about are the um you know um I get it but I need to understand a deeper kind of people you know, you know, you know, you know, Pastor. Like, like for what you're talking about is good, you know, um, but 
I, I need to go deeper in this. Like, I don't understand it yet. Like, like, pastor, you know what? Let's do more Bible study. I had a situation like that. Somebody told me I'm convinced about the Sabbath. I know it's true. I, I, but, but, but let's study deeper. And, and, and some people will tell you, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you know, pastor, I think, you know, I'm getting this, this giving to God thing. You know, I'm, it's making more sense to me, you know. But let's study a little bit deeper. And so I know it is right, but kind of people, or I want to understand it deeper kind of people, each one of them has built a mental stronghold. They have built a, a, an excuse that is keeping them away from actually getting closer to God. And Paul is saying, these are the strongholds that need to come down. And I'm so glad that Paul says that we are able to destroy strongholds because we have tapped into God's power. And so you are telling yourself, I need to convince somebody else about this and that. That's not your business. Let God be the one to convince that particular person because of who you have tapped into. But brother and sister, today I'm here to tell you that when we have allowed God to infect us, when God is a part of us, then there's nothing in our way that can get there. We can actually defeat it and we can actually be victorious. You see, Paul envisions himself like a general. In fact, when you look at verse number five and verse number six, it's put in a way that it reminds us of the fall of a city, an ancient city. Uh, he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against God, right? So that's the first element. You attack a city, right? You, you destroy the fortification. Then he says, he says, we take captive every thought to obey Christ. When you have def defeated a city, the thing that you do is you take those captives and you take them as prisoners of war. That's what happens. But then in verse number six, he says, we punish every disobedience. And the point is this, when you have overtaken a city and taken captives, you punish anybody who was resisting to you. And Paul is saying, I am a general in the army of God. And I'm coming to you, Corinthians. And I'm going to defeat any stronghold. <coughs> any stronghold against me. And I want you to know that when you have tapped into the divine standard, you are also a general in the army of Jesus Christ. Anything in front of you, you're going to be able to defeat it and you're going to be victorious. Because when God has supercharged you, your victory is assured. And so brother and sister, I'm here to declare to you today that the weapons you fight with should be weapons that God can utilize. Should be weapons that you have allowed God uh, to manipulate and uh, to influence. Because when that happens, then you, how you, I call you an X factor. I call you a winner and I call you a victor. Brother and sister, we don't have to be defeated. Mm -hmm. We don't have to lose. We can win when we are fighting uh, with God. You see, the way this text ends, and I want to I wanna, I wanna emphasize on this uh, text, the way it is ending, uh, the text says we are fighting these people. We are fighting strongholds. We take captive, uh, captives to obey Christ. Uh, we punish every disobedience against Christ. 
And that is the issue, brother and sister. Obeying Jesus, being committed to Jesus, doing what Jesus says we should do. Can Jesus get into your house or is it a stronghold and you have kept Jesus on hold? Can Jesus get into your finances or is it a stronghold and you have put him on hold? Can Jesus influence what is on your plate and what you put into your body? Or is it a stronghold and you have put Jesus on hold? Can Jesus influence your entertainment choices? Or is it a stronghold and you have put Jesus on hold? Uh, can Jesus influence your decision, your decisions, where you want to study? Who you want to marry, where you want to settle, or is it a stronghold and you've put Jesus on hold? You see, the greatest weapon we can use, the greatest of the weapons we can use is when we decide to obey God. And you say, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do your will. You are, you're going to guide me and you're going to lead me. And that's what I want to call you this morning to do. To be an obedient Christian. To be one who follows his will. To go wherever he wants you to go. And I believe that when you can get there, then the weapons you fight with cannot be defeated. And you're going to be victorious. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment. And I ask, Lord, that you bless this word and may it touch our hearts. Father, we, we need you because we have built certain strongholds and we want you to change. <clears throat> we want you to change us and make us like you. We want to be obedient to your will, to your wish and your ways. Father, thank you so much for listening to this prayer. And for transforming us right here, right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.